What is up, everyone? Uh, welcome uh, to another episode of the Just Jacks Golf Podcast. I'm Mitchell Forbes, your host. We're joined weekly by Sam Keston, COO, over at Four Links to discuss Just the Jacks Golf. And obviously, in our picks for this week, Sam, uh, Jensen Invitational, another big event that did disappoint. How much did you watch? I watched most of it. Yeah. Uh, especially, I watched all of Sunday and a, pr- a pretty healthy chunk of Saturday. Ah. Uh, I was a little disappointed they didn't play in in more of the wind on Saturday. You know, I think uh, it got it did get bad there for about an hour. There, you know, there was a, a little stretch there where it was blowing pretty good, and like, you see balls moving on the greens. And again, not wanting to play on it like that, but that just lasted a little. I would have liked to have seen him play in that. You yeah, know? It's, it, 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 we we don't really get it from over the pond, Sam, because obviously, well, I guess we're used to playing in more adverse conditions, but. The point being, I think, is that you know if you can't have that same win for the foot for every single player, then it becomes a little bit unfair. But I, I don't think they should. Have, I don't think the the stoppage of play should be the difficulty of the high winds. It should be more about the fair play because I think a lot of the spectators, a lot of a lot of viewers from England were like, were like, what the fuck? Like, why the stop play? It's just a bit of wind. Like we get it in Scotland all the time. Blah blah blah. We used to links golf, but the real the point is that it's not fair if half the field have the high winds all the whole round and. Another part of the field just have high winds for two holes or something. Yeah, I mean, that's that to me. That's like the the Open Championship. That's true almost every year. Almost yeah. every year at the Open Championship on Thursday and Friday, there's one side of the draw you wish you were on. You know, and so I I, I think Pete, the PGA Tour and professional golfers are used to the idea that they're not all going to play in the same conditions. I mean, even. You know, even if it has nothing to do with the number of holes you're stuck in it, uh, it it's still like, you know, you can imagine, you can imagine like Augusta that let's say you play, you know, you're playing front nine when the winds are blowing versus somebody playing the back nine when right. the winds are blowing. And then the wind dies down when you get to 10, you don't have to play 11 and 12 with, with, with gusty winds. You know, but that's just part of the deal. I think it was more of the balls blowing off the greens, you know, and like kind of that, that looks a little circusy. So I get, I mean, I get that, but I just, I like when it's hard, you know, I, I enjoy watching it. It was, it was reasonably Sunday too, but uh, I, I thought the golf course was a treat. I really, Sam, that I was mean, I, Riviera just gets more appealing to me every, every, every year. I can't believe you were lucky enough to have, you know, to have played that course so many times. It literally, I, no, like let's say four or five years ago, I, I knew about the Genesis, of course, and it was a prestigious event, blah blah. But it's only really over the last three years where I've really come to understand just how much the fucking players admire it. And some people are even saying it's the best course to play all year. Um, for me, the PJ Championship needs to jump on this shit, man. Come on, let's play at some better venues. Like, I, I think really that this is another. It's been another great week to showcase the fact that you know a twelve under winning score is is brilliant. Right, and it, it doesn't need to be too long. It ate Bryson DeChambeau alive. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a course that you can that you can. That was outdrive. predictable, wasn't it? Huh? Yeah, that was predictable with DeChambeau, wasn't it? I mean, uh, well, you you did predict it, so fair play to you. I guess it is kind of predictable, but at the same time, you know, you, you're never quite sure what he's what he's going to do. And if you if you had his short game that he had at Wingfoot, then um, then maybe we'd see a different score. But that course beat him up, and I, I was so happy to see not because it was Bryson. But because it rewarded um, good ball striking, simple as that. Yeah, and you had to and you had to place the ball off the tee. You yes. know, like not being able to 
not being able to drive the ball well makes it really, really difficult to score there. The angles, you know, and for what it's worth, Jordan Spieth, I don't know how he managed to shoot such a good score with, with the way he was driving the ball. Um, he, 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 he scrambled extremely, extremely well. Um, but I think overall, like, you know, what a great tournament. Yeah, it was, it was a blast. I mean, I, I was a little worried at the 36-hole mark when Sam Burns had a five-shot lead. I was, was never worried. Was like, I was never worried. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, is this going to be like a, a runaway from a guy I pretty much don't know? Uh, so I was a little bit, I was a little concerned about that going in to the weekend. But, you know, little by little throughout the course of, of two rounds, you know, and this is kind of like classic Riviera, right? It's not going to be the car crash meltdown you'll see at Augusta National no. as a friend. But Riviera, if you don't have it, if you're not driving it well, you can get away with it for a little while. But it's just, it's like, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's like blackjack. The house always wins. Like, you know, the odds are against you. And, and and the longer you keep going, the more likely it is to eventually find its way to eating your lunch. And I think that's kind of, especially on the weekend, on the back nine, I think that's what happened to Sam Burns. He just started driving the ball poorly. And and you can smoke and mirrors your way around doing that for, for small chunks. But I just, for 36 holes, you know, even for 18 holes, you're not going to, it's going to be hard to get away with it the whole time. Part of it there is that you have those big eucalyptus trees on both sides, and they're not far from the edges of the fairways. I mean, there's probably, you know, I, I, if there's five, ten yards between the end of the fairway, and, you know, the edges of the fairways and the eucalyptus trees, that sounds about right. And so, like, that doesn't, like, rough to my mind doesn't scare these guys at all. Like, unless it's like, hey, you know, it has to be like crazy, you know, ankle deep you know like lose your ball rough for these guys otherwise they're all strong enough to muscle it out of there and get it on the green you know and they're hitting short enough clubs most of the time that but trees are are you know like it, it doesn't matter how good your lie is and it doesn't matter how strong you are like it's a much harder shot if you're in the trees and yeah. so i think uh, and, and how how fun was it watching 10 all week like fuck that's such a good hole that's such a good hole because it's, it's almost like a crazy golf hole right because Players, players, big main miss is left because right's not good. And guess what's left? More trees. Um, and this, there were so many shots throughout the week where players had to get creative, and it was it was just good fun, good viewing. Yeah, you know, and I think too that uh, there's there's a, a pretty obvious, to my mind, the correct strategy there is obvious that. Uh, you want to take a straight line from the back of the 10th green through the front of the 10th green and picture that line extending outwards as long as you can. You want to be on the far side on like, the, you know, if you're looking straight up the angle of the green, you want to play your second shot from left of that line. Yeah, of course. Even if, even if it's in the trees, like I never found in the trees to be that bad of a spot. And, and my argument was always this whole, like it's a four option three. It's not a three. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't know that there are a ton of people who are that disappointed walking away from 10 making a par. You know, you feel like you lost a shot and a half if you make bogey. Like, you feel like it was a birdie opportunity to turn into a bogey. But if you make par, you're still, you don't feel, you know, you're not losing a crazy amount to the field by making four. And so even if you do hit it in the trees, as long as you're not, like, right up against one, you can kind of pitch something low under the trees and get it on a green somewhere. Where that hole gets you is if you have an awkward second shot and and you play it aggressively, that's when mistakes start to compound there. You know, you see, like, 
you know, guys will hit it in the right bunker, then they'll try to hit the hero bunker shot. They end up in the next bunker. They start going back and forth, you know, or guys who go long and left and the pins back right. And instead of chipping it to the middle of the green, they try to go take on that little island, you know, that kind of like the tongue in the back there. Uh, and, and then you start seeing like mistakes compound there. But I think guys, you know, guys who are patient with that hole and recognize that, like, you know what, if I only play it one or two under, like, it doesn't matter how short it is. It's a hard golf hole. If I play it one or two under for the week, that's going to serve me in pretty good stead. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's talk about some individual performances then, Sam. I think there's there's actually a lot to to get through here. We've got Rory and Justin Thomas's poor performances, Brooks Kepka falling off, uh, DJ having a poor Sunday. We've got Tony Finau. Um, We've got the performance of Sam Burns uh, and, of course, the, the winner, Max Homer. So there's a lot of, lot of digest here. Um, let's get straight to the thick of it, which I think the main talking point is is Tony Finau, right? Um, the guy shoots 64 on a Sunday to get into a playoff, which he then loses. Uh, incredible 64, made a ton of putts. You know, playoffs can go like that. He, he missed that. He missed. He was always going to find it hard getting up and down from from the amount of sand he gave himself to get over on the on the um, on the was it the fourteenth to play the par three? Yeah, yeah. So like, I, I don't really blame the the playoff rate. I, I don't blame his Sunday performance. He had too much to catch up on. Now it's a bit sort of an oxymoron here because Tony's Sunday performances have generally been what's let him down, and he put in a great Sunday performance, but he had no pressure. You know, he, he was he was miles off the pace, and he had to shoot a sixty four to even get there. So Tony's mistakes this week didn't come on the Sunday. It's not, it wasn't about the playoff. It's the fact that he gave himself so much room. To, uh, he gave himself too much to do. Essentially, having said that, if he had a better fifty-four hole score, would he have played as well on the Sunday? This is it with Tony Finau. Um, encouraging yet again that he's knocking on the door and it's not affecting his his confidence that way. Um, my view on the situation is that a win will come. I think he's an absolute. He's an elite player. He's, he's top ten. In strokes gained overall, I think he's sixth, and he's 82nd strokes gained putting. Quite clear to see what what the issue is on the Sunday. Um, but he played he played very good golf, and it, I'm struggling not to see him getting a win this year. And I honestly think that win might come at the Masters at Augusta. Um, more about that later. What were your thoughts? What do you think, Tony Finau's performance and in, in, in inability to win to win on this occasion? It's hard because I, I I agree with you. Uh, I mean, for sure. Like he played very well on Sunday, that yeah. sixty-four, which which is a great score. Somebody said, I forget where I read this, but somebody said something to the effect of the worst thing that could have happened to Tony Finau was Max Homa missing that putt at eighteen. That you know, like even if he had finished second by a shot, the the narrative if if he had done that would have been, you know, if Homa had made that putt, the narrative would have been, hey, Tony Finau did everything he possibly could to give himself a chance to win that golf tournament. Somebody played better, it happened. Yeah, you know. When he get, but then when he gets himself into the playoff, uh, I think I think there's a fair amount you can you can critique there. You know, I, I think he had Homa by the balls on ten. Yeah, Homa was against that tree, man. He pulled off an incredible shot. To be fair to Homa, like that that that, yeah. that, that, that chip was that was seriously really, really impressive. I mean, I was texting my buddy like during the playoff. And at first, when they showed, they showed it from a couple of different camera angles, but not until the last one did you realize they had a chance. Like the first couple of camera angles, it looked like it dead. It was no, dead. No way you could get at the at the back. How do you even get at the back of the ball? Uh, I was talking to my buddy about like he should bank it off the fucking tree, you know. And so then when they showed it, but then they showed the the angle when he set up, and you realized okay from the side he's got a play here, 
you know, like this is not as bad as it looked. And so, but I mean, he still, he hit an incredible shot from there to give himself a chance. But Finau, you know, the the bottom line is if Finau can get that ball up and in, he, he makes three and wins. You know, if he can make that six, six, eight footer, which I'll grant you is about the hardest six, eight footer on the golf course is that front hole location on 10, that downhill left to right putt. It is so brutally hard. He made to it in regulation make... though, didn't he? He made that same putt in regulation. Yeah. And, and it's such a hard putt, you know, and I think uh, y- you could understand how uh, he wouldn't make that. But still, you know, he's he's, he's pin high left and he, he drove it in the best place, pretty much the best place you could drive it, you know, and gave himself every opportunity to 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 grab the thing by the horns and didn't do it. And then it, and then 14 in the playoff, 14, I think, played as the third hardest hole on Sunday and I'm at a loss for why. That green, you have 50 yards to the right. To the right. The pin, yeah. I don't know what, why yeah. they take it on the pin. Even, even I know that, Max Homer probably pulled his shot, but you see Tony Finau in the, in the fucking bunker. You aim right, <laughs> like right, right. You just stick on the middle of the green. Especially going first. Especially going first. You know, it's one thing if the other guy knocks it in there tight and you're like, all right, I've got to do something here. But I mean, there's a big ridge that runs through the middle of the 14th green that, that runs through the middle and diagonally. So any any ball hit with a draw that lands in the middle, front third middle with the greens the way they were, is going to take a hard kick to the left and it's going to end up pretty close. It's going to end up like 15 feet at the worst probably. And and so to my mind, like, you know, you ask somebody like a tiger, what are they doing in that moment? Their attitude's going to be, I'm hitting the middle of the fucking green and I'm making the other guy a great shot to beat me. And even if he does hit a great shot, I'm still going to have a putt to tie. I'm not going to hand it to him. Yeah. You know, and he ended up giving, I, I agree with you that Homa for sure pulled his shot too. But, but Homa in pulling a shot, I guarantee you his line after he saw Finau hit it in the bunker was, was 15, 20, 30 feet right of what his line otherwise would have been. And so it gave him the margin of error that he could pull it by however much he did and still not be in the bunker because Fina was already in there. And so he could take his line further out to the right, you know? And, and so in the playoff, in, in the, in the part of it where he, where he needed to, you know, where it was time to stick the knife in, Finau couldn't do it. Didn't do it. You know, and, and, and did not force the other guy to, to hit a great shot to beat him. You know, like, yeah, Homa hit a great shot. That chip on 10 was a great shot, but, uh, it's not like, like he didn't make him birdie either of the playoff balls, you know, like you would like, if you're going to say, Hey, Hey, fair play. The guy played better than me and one in the playoff. You got to make him make a birdie to beat you, you know? And, and so I do agree with your view that, uh, it seemed like Tony Finau was, was the worst player he was that day on the, on the two holes that mattered the most, you know? And, and that, you know, you, you, the more you do that, the more it's going to start stacking one on top of the other, you know, and you're, and you're going to keep struggling to, to close out tournaments. But I, I mean, the guy, the guy's finished second, what, three times in a row. He finished second at the South. <laughs> yeah. Second at the, as well. Yeah. I mean, the poor bastard, like these last four weeks, he's finished fourth, second, second, second. Well, he's anything, he's and, anything but poor Sam. <laughs> yeah. He's so, he's rocking those. He's, he, what he, what he's what he's uh, losing in W's, he's making up for in in, uh, in dollars earned. <laughs> well, that's true, but I I just think uh, you know I it, 
I suspect it's going to be one of those things where when he wins, that releases that stress that he feels in those moments now. And he and he starts winning a fair amount and then gets it kind of in the rear view. You know, like I think Spieth, Spieth had some, uh, you know, Spieth and Rory, too. I mean, like, you know, Rory had that epic collapse at Augusta. Yeah. And and. You know, although you could argue that's still in there. Or something, or or at least a general feeling for him that he's not a great closer. You could argue that's still in there. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if this is the kind of thing where he wins once and it's gone, or if it's the kind of thing where the scar tissue starts building up so much that you just don't trust yourself in those moments. You know? Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a tough one to gauge, but I, I do think the law of averages plays out over time. When you if you just look at his stats as a golfer, like those stats equal wins at some at some point. I'm I'm under. I'm not worried at all about him not getting that W. Uh, it's it's at, it's at what point does it become what could have been? And you know, right now, if he changes fortunes around this year, next year, and starts getting to wins together, then you can just argue those first five, you know, five years well, from 16 to 20 or 21, just being those formative years of progression and learning how to win. But you know, if it goes any longer, it gets to that awkward phase of you know what could have been and is there something missing etc but um i'm positive about about tony fina i think he ha- handled himself very well at the interview he's so graceful um you can't ha- not you know you can't help but but really like the guy and i think you've got to give credit to max homer as well la kid um big lakers big dodgers fan wins in his home in his in his home city on a course that he grew up going you know, going to that event i thought he had i thought he you know came across very well in the press tita green he was he was flawless to be fair to the guy um, I've criticised him much on this podcast for for being a bit of a hype train, but um, you know he's racked up wins at Quail Hollow and now Riviera. They're two tough, tough golf courses that he's got the wins on. So that, that just goes to show the quality of golfer he is. Um, he's a really likable guy. I hope to you know continue to see him up there. Um, and it's a guy who is sneaking onto that Ryder Cup radar. You know you look you look at the the US team Team USA have got a wealth of young talent um, in and around that team. I'm not sure if he'll be in there points wise, but he I mean if he keeps up his, his run of form, you know, he played well the last couple of weeks, he's gonna he's gonna you know, he's gonna be he's gonna be in uh, in Stricker's mind. And f- for what it's worth, Sam Burns has put three good weeks together. Didn't get the win. Um didn't get what he would have wanted, folded a little bit on that back nine, but all in all he played some very good golf as well. At twenty four I didn't realise he was so young as well, twenty four. Um so Team USA looking looking good this year, Sam. Yeah, I mean I think too that uh Stricker gave himself a lot of options because he's got the six picks, six right? Picks? Yeah, nice. Yeah, so only six guys are automatically qualifying right now. That's DJ. I think that's pretty much a lock. DeChambeau, that's probably a lock. Kepka, probably a lock. Shoffley, probably. Then the next two guys are Thomas and Finau. Now on the outside looking in is Morikawa, Reed, Berger, Simpson, Cantlay, English, Wolf, Homa. It's, you know, it's, of it's, those, your, your your biggest your biggest sort of question going into this Ryder Cup is how many rookies do we want on the team? Yeah, I think that's probably right. And your biggest question, I think, is uh, how many veterans are we willing to chuck aside? You know, I, I think you guys are looking at Lee Westwood, not Lee. very, <laughs> not enough spots for too many guys that have been like stalwart guys for you. Like, is is Sergio getting a pick? Yeah, but then, but then you, you flip on his head. Lee Westwood's currently qualifying. He didn't make the last Ryder Cup. Um, and I think as well, we had, I think we had 
Didn't we have a record amount of rookies in the last Ryder Cup in France? Yeah, it was. It, I guess it was. It was a home course advantage, and you know, playing playing in uh, playing in the US, um, you know, favourable to your conditions is going to be is going to be a big challenge. But you, you're right. I think this year might be the be a year that we see a lot of different names in Team Europe. There's been a, a been a sort of a um, a strong contingent of, of of a core group of players. You know, the last four or five Ryder Cups. We might see a change there, but, you know, likes of Westwood are still hanging around there. Ian Porter always tends to bring out his form. It wouldn't surprise me if he got a pick anyway. He wasn't playing well. He was playing terribly uh, en route to Glen Eagles and uh, played very well at Glen Eagles. So, we'll see. Right now, if, if it were to end now, on the European points list, Patton, Fleetwood, Brom, and McElroy would make it. On the world points list, Victor Perez, Paul Casey, Fitz, Hovland, and Danny Willett, that's a surprise, would make it. So the guys you're looking at being on the outside, Westwood, Rose, Garcia, McDowell, Stenson, Lowry. I mean, Molinari's out. Uh, but he, he's, he's, he's playing his way back into some form. It would not, it would not surprise I think he, he, he had a good Sunday, didn't he? He finished like tied fifth in the end this week. It yeah, and that was like he's putting per- some good weeks together, and he's just joined Riviera, hasn't he? He's a he's a member now. Yeah, and that was like his third top ten in. Uh, he's creeping. Yeah, you know he's he's definitely shown some. Uh, he's given you reason to believe that the form is maybe starting to come back a little bit. Uh, you know, I I think uh, I'm not surprised he ended up having a good week when the golf course was playing as tough as it was, and he has kind of that experience around the golf course that he did yeah uh it kind of shown enough form john rom backdoor to top five he was like not really a factor the whole week but he played well i think he shot 66 on sunday and that jumped him up into a top five finish yeah ej was a surprise he had, that miss. He had, a, he had a little left miss going on didn't he yeah and that showed but that i mean that goes to show you out there like that driving the golf ball is extremely important and when he stopped doing that well the golf course wouldn't let him back into the game. And he, and he putted poorly too early, especially early on in that round. I, I, I'll, I'll say it again. Like I, I really hope the governing bodies like look at what's, you know, look at this, look, look at this, look at the waste management and just think, mm, you know, we, we can pick courses that aren't too long, that are well protected, that bring out a different side of golf. And, um, you know, and, and, and I guess, you know, Bring the shorter hitters into play. We 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 predicted a good week for Matt for Matt Fitzpatrick, and this is exactly what we got. That that three under on the Saturday was the best round of golf I think. Period in the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that golf course played so hard. I, I was you know also, speaking of golf course setup, I thought I thought Sunday was a little. I think that Saturday got so baked out fast and hard and and difficult that Sunday you saw a lot of water on the greens, that they didn't roll them, they didn't cut them twice. Uh, I wish sometimes they wouldn't try to manage. There's such a fear among the tour and the USGA and the PGA of going too far. Like, ever since Shinnecock, ever since Shinnecock, they've shit themselves every time it comes to, to, to green speeds. I, I think it goes even further back than that. I think it goes back to like Olympic Club. You know, that that when the USGA saw, like, remember that whole location at Olympic Club in, in 98 where Payne Stewart had, like, an eight-foot birdie putt that turned into, like, it was, like, a right-to-left eight-foot birdie putt. He was the leader, 18th hole s- Saturday, 
like going into Sunday and it, it's like an eight foot curler that curls and it just doesn't stop. And it ends <laughs> I up like, seen that. Oh my God. It ends up like 30 feet below the hole and at from eight feet, you know? And it wasn't like, like it wasn't like 30, it, it wasn't like 30 feet by, it was like 30 feet to the left. Like the, the, the pitch of the green was so, so sideways that it was like, no matter what he did, the minute the ball started moving, it would start breaking down the hill. Ridiculous. And so like, uh, I think ever since then, you know, that was kind of an egg on the face moment. And I think ever since then, the USJ has been afraid of those moments. And I think the PGA Tour is too. Like, they don't want to make their their perception, you know, especially when their, like, whole motto is these guys are good. You know, to say, hey, these guys are not always good, you know, or or they're not good enough for this. You know, that that's kind of anathemous to, to what they're trying to project as far as the skill level of these guys and I just think they don't. I think they underestimate how much we, the fan, like seeing hard golf courses. You know, I, I I know there's that like love affair with the idea that fans can't get enough birdies, and I just think it's one of the biggest misconceptions held by the higher ups at the tour and and, and others that yeah we, we may like birdies, but we like we like that when you have to earn them. You yeah, know, that's not what separates. Like, yeah, when you know it's a birdie on a fucking hard golf course, then it's like, you know, this guy's coming to play. Like, you know, it, it just sep- it just separates it just separates the field a little bit when you make the birdies that hard to get because there'll always be players in the field that go on birdie runs on any golf course in the world. They're that good. Um, we don't mm-hmm. necessarily need to see a birdie fest from fucking tied thirty seventh. You know. Mhm. You know, and I think to the point you just made exactly about in terms of it polarizing the results of good and bad. That, you know, instead of a, a, a Rory being able to play the way he played on Thursday and Friday and shoot around even and maybe make the cut, you know, that the golf course beat him up, you know, and, and Bryson DeChambeau didn't drive the ball well on Thursday. It beat him up. And that was, you know, he played pretty well on Friday and shot 69, but he'd already, the damage was already done. I, I think it's good to polarize. Like, I think Phil Mickelson said it this way, and I liked it, that he doesn't like pars. He likes birdies and bogeys. You know, he thinks that that the easy hole should be easy, the hard hole should be hard. You want to see a lot of birdies and a lot of bogeys, you know, and, and that'll help separate the good from the bad. You know, that the guy who can execute can score, the guy who can't can't. You know, and so I think Riviera proved itself to be a, a worthy host venue, and I would love to see a major championship come there, though. Um, um. There's been talks of that my entire life. Yeah, I and, think I think they said the initial focus is on the Olympics. Coming to back yeah, to I mean, is, is the Olympics going back to LA soon? Yeah, I want to say the next summer games, I think. Yeah, like 20, uh, 2025. Yes, so now. I think, I think, I th- uh, so I think Riv's the, the host course for that, the venue the venue for, for, for the Olympics. Um, I think then after that, you've got to be looking at like, I hope they have a major. They, they have a major. Um, I, don't, I don't know what the space around the property's like. Obviously, I've never been. You, you, you're a better judge on that. That's usually the... The factor that you know that inhibits these courses from getting major championship status is you know how practical is it to you know to house people? How practical is it to get all the the, the tour vans in, uh, fans, blah blah blah. So I can't comment on that, but from a golf course perspective, fucking sign me up. <laughs> yeah, you know I, I, that is a difficulty with Riviera for sure. Is it's not a huge piece of property. There's not a ton of room for a lot of the ancillary things that come with a major championship. Parking situation's a mess. You know, like, you can't park really on site. Like, you can't, at least for, like, public 
you know, you can let the, there's enough room for the players and that's pretty much it, you know? So you have to park, you have to park cars at the school. That's like five minutes away. And, buses, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and then it's also a pretty wealthy neighborhood too. So like, you know, the whole neighborhood like hates the idea of like people parking on their streets and For like they have to, the, they, uh, fucking hell. Come on. Yeah, seriously. And the track and obviously like, the traffic's a disaster. There's well, really only anyway. one. Way. It is anyway. <laughs> it is. I agree with you. It is anyway. But because it is anyway, it's a nightmare if something like that's in town. So like, you know, it's. Uh, I just don't know. I just don't know if it has the capacity to hold hold the, the numbers that that a major championship would require. But I mean, you know what? That didn't stop the USGA from going to Marion. You know, like the USGA went to Marion, understood. I mean, they had like the, the men's locker room was in the backyard of someone's fucking house, and like they didn't get it. Done. You know, they didn't get creative. Yeah, they limited and they limited the the attendance to like twenty five thousand people instead of the usual thirty five, and and you know they did what they had to do. I I I think I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anyone's taking this lesson away, but me. It could be just that this is my my view. But one of the things that I've I've felt over the last year with the PGA Tour is that the the fans are much less of an added value than I thought they were. Like at Augusta, yes, you know, like the the roars and the patrons, and that's a big part of that experience. The Open Championship, some of the big events, yeah. But there's something too, like the 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 quiet, the visually uncluttered, you know, great sight lines and like. You know, they, they, I remember they cut to, uh, like, on Saturday when they had the rain delay or the uh, wind delay, they'd cut to uh, showing the previous year's final round when there were fans. It was, like, one of the last, you know, couple of weeks before before this all happened. And I'm watching it, and I'm hearing, like, mashed potatoes guy, and I'm watching, like, screaming pull the gallery and get saved from going 30 yards further left. You know, and I was thinking to myself as I was watching it, I'm not entirely sure that, like, on a, on a regular basis that the fans are, are that much of a net positive to the experience, you know? Maybe not to the viewer at home, but but certainly for the players. The players, I think, is it, I mean, it's, it's probably, I think they would all totally. say that they prefer the fans, right? For the energy, they're playing a competitive environment, so they've got to create the energy themselves as opposed to feel the fans. But I do agree with you. I've come to get used to it and come to appreciate different parts of the coverage that I wouldn't have. I do love it when we see more people teed up off the, you know, teed up provisionals because a fan hasn't found the ball. You know, there's more, um, there's more lost balls. Um, there's more clear sight lines of the course, like you say. So I, I hear what you're saying, but, you know, given, given the choice, I'd, I'd pick fans. Um, two things to cover before we head on to, head into this week's um, big event, of course, the Workday. Um, number one, Tiger Woods. Was he high or was he not high? I, I that was my twelve twelve seconds into him talking. He was went, high kinda, as a motherfucker. He was so. High. I was thinking it kind of sounds like he's back from the painkillers again. And <laughs> and I don't know what that is. I mean, like you know, he just had surgery. He obviously has had a painkiller problem in the past. When you have surgery and you have as much pain as he has. You would think that they give him something, but you would also think as somebody who had a problem with painkillers that he would he would do well to stay away from those. 
Kind I don't know seem, if he had an app. Kind of, weed seems like the, that, that the sensible solution. I've got no problem with him like doing weed. That's fucking fine. And I think we saw him on the CBD gum at the Masters that he won. Um, so he's quite clearly a fan of you know that style of product. Uh, and he just he just fucking looked high, man. Like he just looked high as shit. And he 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 told well, me, I know, his answers were a little bit hazy as well. Like I know he's quite good at deflecting a lot of the time, but there was even a little bit more haze to his to, to the way he was talking. Um, he had the sort of the stoner eyes on. And then I, I think he had, the yeah. he had the stoner eyes on and he had like the slow, drowsy, yeah, man, he was you so know, not, not sharp voice, you know? Yeah. Just and, a bit. Uh, and then the other, the, the weird thing is he was like, yeah, I haven't picked up a club. I've lent them. I put it to my sandwich. That's about it. And then the next day he gets photographed at, um, at Rolling Hills country club with David Spade filming something with golf digest. And he had his, he was out on the course with his bag on the, with his bag on the buggy. So, I mean, and he said after and he was the surgery, balls, eyewitness account saw someone hitting balls on the range at Rolling Hills. I'm pretty sure he said like a week after the surgery, he was bragging about how he was hitting balls. He was just fucking. I reckon he was just high and just didn't know what to fucking say, mate. I think he just. I think he just fucked up. I think. I think he probably either took an edible or or had some of a joint and just didn't. Really, you know, just overdid it slightly. He had that look when he was presenting to Max Homer, like, "Holy fuck, I'm high. And I don't know what to do." Like <laughs> he had that look in his eye. Um, I didn't. I didn't watch the trophy ceremony, so I didn't see that part. I just saw the interview. But that was my. I, I, it's funny you say that because I didn't give it another thought. I kind of thought maybe I just want that to be true, and uh, but but I'm glad I wasn't the only one that saw it. You know, I I, I felt I I thought that too, and it makes me feel like we're right if we both saw that. I, I hope so because it just it just makes the goat even more goaty if he's just you know smoke smoking joints while he's injured. I love it. Um, Last thing to cover before this week, Sam, is uh, the small case of you winning uh, this week's fantasy. Uh, but what I'm not very happy about is we drew on scores and, you know, I came second. I want, I want some explanation. Why the fuck did I come second? Why didn't I take home all the points? I would have to look. Uh, is, it done on, so- is, it, is it done on, what's it called? Um, what's the official ruling when there's, a, when there's a draw in Falling's fantasy? You go back to the last birdie or something. Oh, well, uh, no, no, no. When there's... Birdies. Uh, no, when there's a tie, uh, you know how you put in the. Or you're talking about in the pick and pull, right? Yeah, in the, in the pick and pull. I'm guessing you're Samir. Uh, so uh, you're guessing that I'm what? Samir K. No, 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 no. That's a, no, that's actually a, a different guy. That's a real guy. Uh, you're joking. There's a, I thought I thought no, there's I, a, I thought it was like your alias. I thought you were Sam K and Samir K. <laughs> No, no, no. There's a Samir. Uh, there's a gentleman. I don't want to give out his last name, but uh, he's he's our Samir is our running away our our most engaged fantasy player, and he's had a pretty good run on our. And he's he's probably the best. In t- he's probably the best on our site. We need to get Samir. We need get Samir on the on the show. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. We should definitely do. Let's that. get him Let's on. Rich, we'll, we'll sort out after this. But I just want to, you know. My performances haven't been too bad either, by the way. You know, I've had I've had I've had two two seconds in the first in the last four weeks, so I'm trending. Yeah, so the difference was uh Samir on the tiebreaker, I'm looking it up now. On the tiebreaker, Samir had the winning score of fifteen under. You had it at seventeen under. Ugh. And so because the the winning score ended up being what was it, twelve? Twelve in the end, yeah. 
his 15 is closer to the 12 Jeez. that won. I'm going to pay more that, attention to that thing next. You know, I just I just chuck in a number between 15 and 24 usually, and it, it usually comes out right. Uh, but, yeah, not Riviera. It could be the difference. I actually finished – I don't know why I'm fist pumping. I finished dead last. <laughs> You're fist pumping. <laughs> what what, what no, did you want something this weekend? I put no. I put in so many of these entries, and I, and I very rarely uh, like go back and look to see how they did. I'm mostly doing it just to have extra entries in the field, and uh, so I, I didn't know that I, I. I thought you might have been. I thought I thought I might have won, or a so or head to head that you didn't see maybe, right or something like that. Yeah, and so I was I was pumping my fist, thinking like, all right, I bagged one, and now I go back and look, and I finished dead fucking last. <laughs> I took Rory, who missed the cut. I took Morikawa, who finished over par. I took Woodland, who finished, uh, who missed the cut. Hovland was the only guy who played worth a damn. Kuchar played awful. Uh, and JB Holmes was bad, too. I don't know where. Oh, man. Well, so when I put, let's, let's when try I put, and write that wrong. Let's write that wrong, Sam. Take us, take, us into, uh, take us into this week. Where are we playing? What's the event? And what's Group A looking like? So the workday is an interesting uh, change of, of pace for this tournament. Usually this is the one that's in Mexico City that's yeah. played at Altitude, that's played at, I'm never going to pronounce the name of the course, Cl- Club de Chapute. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. And so I think it's going to be a little, so now they moved it to Concession Golf Club in Bradenton, Florida, which is a Nicholas design. It's got that classic. It's got that classic Nicholas quality of he loves kind of the Augusta E greens that have like sections within the greens, you know, kind of like uh, I don't know if you remember Dove Mountain where they used to have the match play uh, for all those years in in Arizona, you know that that there are a lot of slopes that if you get on the proper side of them are going to help you and they're going to move the ball towards the hole, but if you get on the wrong side of them they're going to repel it like you see it you know sixteen at Augusta or you know, take your pick seven, etc. So I think uh, it's definitely going to be a week that that the sharp iron player is going to have an advantage. I mean, he pretty much always does, but uh, I, I don't think driving the ball is going to be as important. It looks relatively wide open. Uh, as far as the quality of the field goes, it's a pretty good group. Uh, I think it's. I think I read that it's something like forty-eight of the. Uh, something like 48 of the top 50 in the world are going to be in the field. The WGC. only two guys that are missing. Yeah, you know, and and I was saying this in our blog a little bit. Uh, you can say whatever you want about the World Golf Championships, but one thing they have done is they brought in. You know, if you look at everybody's schedule, by and large, you know, and grant you the China one is a little bit more, some people take that one off, but the other three, if you look at the other three, I mean, everybody's building their schedule. It's like, okay, well, the four majors, the players, the WGCs are pretty much next, you know? And so I think uh, if you're going to look back, you know, it's been a little bit over 20 years now since they've, they've had the World Golf Championships. If the, if the mission of them was to bring more of the best around the world together more often, there it seems to be working. I mean, Group A, take a look quick here. Question, Rory quick Mac- question before, before we go into picks, Sam. Have we got fans this week? What's the status? Uh, I imagine so. It's, it's Florida. That's why I was celebrating. Surely there's got to be fans. Florida don't give a fuck, I didn't think, at the minute. I thought they were over the whole COVID thing. 
I don't. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I, I would. I would expect there to be fans. Like they have them in the. You know, they've started having fans in the hockey games and stuff in Florida. So I wouldn't. I don't really see any reason why they wouldn't have them. But uh, I'm not sure that they do. It could also be like a. The golf course didn't want it. Is another possibility. Oh yeah, of course. Takes away some. Group A: Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, John Rahm. Uh, Kepka did not have a great week. Dustin Johnson looked a little unglued at the end. Rory didn't seem particularly sharp. Justin Thomas just seems a little bit distracted. I think Rom is, uh, I mean, like, I don't know. It's a general policy, like, to just go DJ, you're going to end up happier about it than not most of the time, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, uh, that's, I, that's, that's, that's a good way to look at it. Very pragmatic. I think I'm going to go with DJ. Yeah, not a bad shout. He looked, he looked a bit ropey on Sunday. Other than that, it was a good week for DJ, and he, he got himself nicely in a position at one point. Um, let it go, but still played very well. Um, I'm going to go low ownership this week, and I'm going to go surprise low ownership pick. People aren't going to pick Roy McIlroy for obvious reasons, missing the cup. But uh, for me, I, I, I saw some good. I saw a good amount of frustration in him. And I, I don't think he's. I think he's swinging the club really well. He's he's shortened the swing a little bit. He looks more control of it. I see. Like I'm not like a fucking. I'm not a swing expert by any stretch of imagination. But his swing does look really good. Um, I, I, it's a matter of time with with Rory. Trust me on this. In big events, he he turns up. Um, for the fact it's low ownership. For the fact he rarely missed a cut. Sam, that's his first missed cut since uh, the Open in 2019. I think he had the longest cut streak going. Um, he's not going to miss this cut, um, and for me, he's going to contend to win this week. Um, that's my pick. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to be able to get a guy like Rory in a low ownership situation. I agree with that. And he played pretty well for the two weeks going into Riviera, so I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea to view that as more blip on the radar than anything else. You know, I, I could easily see that, uh, you know, he just kind of flips the week and, and moves on. Uh, Group B, Patrick Cantlay, Adam Scott, Tony Finau, Bryson DeChambeau, Hideki Matsuyama, Webb Simpson. Uh, I mean, Finau almost got himself into Group A, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, he's knocking on the door, isn't he? I mean, just how can you not, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the guy has finished second three times in a row finished fourth the other time his game is so good like i just don't see any need to get too fancy and and overthink this one and uh and talk myself into a, a bad choice here so i think i'm gonna go with tony fino yeah, but i i, I mean I, I, i'm, I'm joining you man i'm i'm joining on that one i i see no reason to pick anyone else given the form the wind's coming we're with you tony group c Daniel Berger, Colin Morikawa, Gary Woodland, Tommy Fleetwood, Patrick Reed, Jason Day. Mm, this is fucking hard. This is a tough group. Yeah, I mean, these are these are all guys you're used to seeing in Group B, except for maybe Daniel Berger. Uh, Morikawa has been really quiet since that PGA. I mean, I, I just I, I have not seen anything that's that's led me to think that. Uh, He's worthy of a pick here. Fleetwood, I don't feel like has played a lot. 
I mean, am I, I? It's possible I'm just missing all of his European tour action. Yeah, you tell me. He, he didn't play badly, and he, he, he obviously played in the desert swing and didn't do too badly at all. Right. Patrick Reed is always the threat, but I'm not sure about the golf course fit here. It kind of seems like a golf course where you're going to have to go pretty low. I don't know if Patrick Reed is that guy. Jason Day is just too too inconsistent, too much searching for it. He looked okay at Pebble, didn't he? Yeah. In spots. That's a golf course where short game will carry you a long way, though. He's, you he's know? Putting and I, stroke. He hasn't lost his putting stroke, that's for sure. Yeah. I'm going to go with Daniel Berger. He played so well at Pebble Beach. He took the week off last week. I see no reason to believe his game's not still there. He's not playing with a ton of pressure. He just won. I think he's not a bad call. I think I'm going to go with Berger. Nice. Group D. Who did, who's your pick there? Oh, sorry. It was it was Fleetwood. Okay. Uh, group D. Billy Horschel, Brendan Todd, Matt Kuchar, Bubba Watson, Matthew Wolf, Kevin Nah. I mean, if everybody here plays well, I think Matthew Wolf wins. I think he he's out of all these guys, almost everybody else except for maybe Brendan Todd seems like they're on the decline, and Matthew Wolf seems like he's getting better every year. Uh, has Matthew Wolf played well? I haven't seen his name in a while. No, he he withdrew. He withdrew his last performance. He withdrew in the waste first round of the waste management. I think. Hmm. Seems like a lot of golf course for Kevin Na. Kuchar hasn't been playing well. Yeah, but you know Kevin Na's going to sneak a 21st, don't you? It's probably true. I'm going to go Matthew Wolf. It's a gamble, but I just see him as having the most upside in this yeah, group. Yeah, he definitely has the most upside in that group. I agree with you that a lot of the best golf of these players are behind them. Um, having said that, we've talked about Kevin Na a lot in this podcast about being, you know, quietly very very good player who puts in some amazing finishes just doesn't necessarily get the the camera time or his style of play isn't such that gets him into contention early on he he sort of coasts a little bit to begin with and then makes a charge for the 20th spot <laughs> um but that that's not a bad pick in fantasy where i'm, I'm looking in this group when, when i'm looking at groups you know d e and f i'm like rule number one who's going to make the fucking cut um for me i think matthew wolf's Form is a little bit sporadic, as much as his upside is very good. Um, so for that reason, I, I like, I like, I like the way I'm seeing this is my, the, the top three groups A, B, and C. They, they for me are they, they're my like contenders to win. Um, groups D, E, and F are about making the cut for me. So Kevin Nall's my guy. Yeah, no, I don't. I think that's probably a smart approach, especially in the in the back groups, and the, it's the kind of approach that has you winning these things and me finishing dead last. <laughs> Group B, the, the old European Ryder Cup group. I'll ask two questions about this. Uh, a, who's your pick? And B, uh, which of these guys will not be on the Ryder, on the European Ryder Cup side? Lee Westwood, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sergio Garcia, Tyrrell Hatton, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose. I mean, Tyr Tyrrell Hatton. Fitz played pretty... Go on. Yeah, I mean, your, your your boy Fitz played pretty well last week. I felt like I missed the boat on that. Uh, Hatton's been been arguably the best European player for a year. Yeah, he's 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 he's, he's fifth in the world, Sam. That, that's, yeah, that that's that's fucking that's 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 that takes some doing. No kidding. I, underrated, underrated, been... massively underrated in America still. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Hatton. I, th- I think he, his game is as close to on form as anybody in this group. And uh, and I think he's just been so good over the last year that it's hard to it's hard to say no. But my pick for who among these guys will not be on the Ryder Cup team, I don't think Justin Rose will be on the Ryder Cup team. Okay, interesting. I mean, I'm I'm not going to go as bullish and say Justin Rose is going to be is going to be out the team. I I think Shane Lowry would be out the team sooner. Um, he hasn't really. Uh, it's he, all too. I mean, the poor fucker got like one thing. I will criticize the PGA Tour for or the coverage or whatever. They've given Shane Lowry no attention, no coverage, nothing. Another player, Tom Lewis, came over, I think finished fifth at Pebble Beach. Um, he's top 50 in the world. Um, he gets he, he gets no mention, no coverage, nothing. Um, so I think I think Shane Lowry is an underrated player. If you, if you watch it, he, he was paired with Tiger on three of the rounds this, at Augusta, and you should have seen some of the short game shots he was hitting. He, the, the guy is an immensely talented golfer and doesn't get enough recognition Having said that, he can score. You know he, he that, that score. to me is yeah. yeah, that is such a big thing. Like, like Patrick Reed is not a remarkable ball striker by any stretch of the imagination. It's not crazy long, you know, but he can score. And I think Hatton has that that thing, which I think really, if you want to be a guy that's going to outperform your potential as a player, being a guy who knows how to score. We'll take you there. Yeah, man, he's scrappy. He's, he's a scrappy player. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick Hatton for that reason. Uh, I think he's underrated. I think his performances are very consistent. Had a great desert swing, um, but I, I, I was torn between him and Fitzpatrick. But Fitz, I feel like gets lost out there sometimes on bigger golf courses in these sorts of fields. I think Riviera was kind of like the, you know, he he's more like a bespoke, you know, tough golf course player that wins these right. cool events. Not necessarily a guy who's going to go out there and compete in the you know when twenty four under wins at a WGC. I just don't see him competing yeah. in this in this type of competition. Yeah, I think he lacks the firepower a little bit to do that. For sure. Uh, last group. group. Group F: Max Homa, Louis Oosthuizen. Have you ever seen the movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels? <laughs> no. Ah, there's a there's a great character in that movie. Uh, whose name is Dr. Emil Schofhausen. And so me and my buddies, whenever I, I, I have to stop myself from saying it on the podcast, me and, and my buddies, whenever we talk about Louis Oosthuizen, we always call him Dr. Emil. <laughs> and so if you ever hear me slip into saying that, it's, it, that's a reference to that movie. Oosthuizen, uh, Joaquin Neiman, Abraham Answer, Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler. Interesting mix of players here. Uh, I mean, like Oosthuizen kind of was like, the which one of these is not like the rest of them. Homa obviously is playing great. I'm a little bit skeptical of like the post win, such an emotional high. I wouldn't be surprised if he couldn't, if he didn't, uh, you know, if he wasn't particularly uh, involved in the top of the leaderboard this week. Ustazen is impossible to figure out. He's a guy who any given week can finish in the top 20. Uh, but like he just seems like sometimes he doesn't give a shit. Joaquin Neiman played okay, I think, last week. I feel like I saw a little bit of him. Abraham Answer Hovland's kind of cooled off. Scotty Scheffler, I think, played okay. Ah, God, I mean, I don't know in this one. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go with my same theory that if all these guys play their best, I think Victor Hovland's best is in this group. So yeah. I think I'm gonna go with Hovland. 
I don't feel great about it. No, it's. I think Victor Victor Hovland's a steal for a Group F candidate. Um, he's he's so consistent. Yeah. He's so consistent. I, I don't expect him to miss the cut. Max Homer, I expect, will still be drunk after winning in his, in his home city. Don't blame the guy. We often see the see it right there. The week after wins, rarely a good one, especially for someone who's only won twice um, on tour. Uh, I'm going to go Victor Hovland. The consistency of the man is extremely impressive. I think he'll be looking at this WGC as a way to, you know, to put his market down. You've got the likes of Matthew Wolf, who's contending in the US Open. You've got Morikawa, who's won the PGA Championship. I still think Victor Hovland's striving for something more substantial um, behind him. I agree. I absolutely agree. And then I'm going to go uh, 20 under is my, is my score. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad pick. If you listen to Paul Azinger, he says if the wind doesn't blow, he thinks it'll be in the 20s. If it does blow, it might be down in the, in the low teens. A couple parlays to look at. Rory McIlroy, minus 145. Justin Thomas, plus 110. Who do you like there? I like Rory every day of the week. Just with just with where Justin's game, like game and heads at. Um, yeah, Rory yeah. McIlroy didn't have a good week last week, um, but I think you look. You, I, I I still I still fancy Rory over Justin on most golf rounds. Um, to be to be very frank, um, and and obviously Justin's high, head's not there. How high would that number have to be with Rory for you to switch? In other words, if Rory was minus two hundred and Justin Thomas was plus one fifty. Yeah, Would you switch? That's that's, that's that's a good point. I mean, probably probably minus one seven five, and I need a bit more out of Justin Thomas. It maybe like plus one twenty five or something. Right. Yeah, I think I I agree with you. I think we're gonna end up on the same analysis with this one too. Dustin Johnson minus one fifty five. Brooks Kepka plus one twenty. See now this is see if 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 this if I would have thought again if this was in the if this if we had the same odds for the last the last group. Fuck, this is a tough one. This is a good parlay. Shit. Yeah, just a little bit, you know, like the gap between these. Two. I think the Rory odds probably could have been closer to these. Then these probably could have been a little bit more distant too. I mean, you've got- I, mean I don't know. You're, you're giving up a lot of points on the payout, you know, in terms of taking Dustin Johnson. And Kepka's obviously, especially at a golf course like this where I get the sense that scoring is going to be low that it's going to reward the bombers. You know, it's not going to punish poor driving that much. Uh, I, I get the impression that it's going to fit Kepka well. DJ drove the ball, started to come kind of unglued at the end of, D- of DJ's not being putting well. Secretly, he's not being... I'm telling you now, Sam, he's, he's, he hasn't put it well since the last round of Saudi. People aren't talking yeah. about it. I think he's... He, I, I mean... I might take a flyer. I might... I might... Uh, you know, I'm going Brooksy. As you guys would say over there, I might be a bit of a chancer, but uh, I'm going to take Kepka. Yeah, I'm going Chancer. Huh? Chancer's, chancer is like a Scottishism, isn't it? I don't know if it's a Scottishism. It- it's it's you. You're a bit of a chancer. Yeah, you, you you take risks. No, I don't think it's I don't think it's Scottish. Ah, it's, it's, I it's, heard it's, Brit- it's British. You guys are British. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's uh, it's it's not exclusive to Scotland though. I'm not sure where it came out of, but uh, yeah, we use it a lot. I like that term though, because I definitely can be a bit of a chancer. <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, this 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 matchup three is a fucking good one. Shit, son. John Rahm, yeah, John Rahm minus one twenty five. Xander Shoffley minus one hundred five. I mean, this is another one of those where if they both play well, John Rahm's going to win. But Xander Shoffley's B game, I think, is better than John Rahm's B game. So I don't know, you know. I'm, I'm, I get confused about American with American odds. Who's who's the favorite in this instance? Rom. John Rom. 
Yeah. John Rom's the favorite. You would have to bet 125 to win 100 on John Rom, but you would only have to bet 105 to win 100 on Xander Shoffley. Okay. Shit. Uh, I felt I felt like I took my big risk with the Brooks DJ with the Brooks pick. I'm gonna go back into the fact that John Rom come off a great Sunday WGC event. He's another guy who's like you know consistently puts in top 20 performances, but. He's he's due a big win. He's due a few big wins. He's due like a five win season, for example. He's, you know, I I I really think John Rom sort of um got that in his got that in his sights. And I I think John Rom strikes me as a more motivated person. Um, I know it's only one round of golf, but I'm picking I'm picking I'm picking John. I took my risk in the last matchup. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad choice. These odds are just a little bit close, and I think John Rom's best is a little bit better than Shoffley's and he played well enough on Sunday to, to merit a pick here. A lot of good other parlays too. I mean, Cantlay Finau, Rory DJ is another option, DeShambo Shoffley. There's a lot of fun. I mean, because the field is good, there's a lot of really fun ones here. So I think, uh, you know, I would strongly encourage everybody to take a look at those. Sam, pleasure once again, my man. What I would ask for everyone who got any value out of this podcast is to go ahead, like, share, subscribe, review, all that good shit, and get the word out there. Sam, thank you so much again, and I'll see you next week. Pleasure, buddy. Have a good one. Bye-bye.